0: Peacemakers, as we are thinking about this list of good works that we made many weeks ago, I was sitting in that room over there because it was during the off weeks when we were uh, in the midst of COVID, this Reconciling, resolving anger. And if you listen to that sermon, I got that from Ephesians 4 verses 25 through 32. We're not going to read all of it right now, but this especially bolded and underlined part. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. What's the implication there? You're going to get angry. You're going to get angry. Sometimes that injustice in the world, I think about Habakkuk, we studied this morning, who was probably pretty angry at what was going on. Sometimes we're angry at sort of general injustice or people mistreat us, but sometimes we're angry at one another because you're not perfect and it makes me mad. Like, turn that around on me. I'm not perfect and maybe that makes you mad. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. The implication is if you let your anger fester, that gives the devil an opportunity to enter your heart into uh, leading you into either vengeance or violence or bitterness or uh, malice in our hearts. Which he talks about at the end putting away. Now, if we're going to not let the sun go down on our anger, that, that's a couple of ways we can do that. One is the easiest way is just to let it go let it go, and be done with it. I thought about breaking into let it go, but then it would be in your heads all day, and it probably is just because I mentioned it. To let go of that anger. You don't have to talk to the other person, you just get over yourself. But sometimes we can't do that. And if I'm not going to let the sun go down on my anger, if I can't let go of the anger, what am I going to have to do? I'm going to have to make it right with you. I'm going to have to talk to you about it in some way. So we know that conflict, of course, is an inevitable part Of human groups. Because we're not perfect and we're not the same. We're not, we are not, we don't have the same interests. We don't have the same uh, thought patterns. We don't have the same priorities sometimes. Now, in the church, there should be less. Because we do have sort of the same purpose and goal and and sort of general things. But even within the church, we're different. Conflict is inevitable. Because I am not perfect. And so, when Jesus says, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. People who make peace between other people. Now, it could be between yourself and someone else, or it could be between two other people that are having conflict. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Conflict is inevitable, but how we respond to conflict, how long it lingers, what happens with that conflict is up to us. Which is why Paul says to the Ephesians, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Make it right be a peacemaker we all need to make peace in our own lives with those who have maybe wronged us or we those who we have wronged but the good work of peacemaking as we're thinking about good works to devote our lives to is something we can do in others lives too we think about those that we can help resolve conflict in their lives and to be a peacemaker in that way now a couple of examples that we should consider here as we think about being a peacemaker, Acts 9, 26-30, this is Barnabas the peacemaker, the son of encouragement. When he had come to Jerusalem, uh, this is Paul, when Paul had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. Now remember, Paul was converted, so he was Saul previously. Persecutor of the church, really, uh, I, w- I wouldn't say evil necessarily, because he thought he was serving God in a certain sense, but he was doing evil things. Converted on the road to Damascus, turns to Christ. He was in Damascus and in, in Arabia for a while, then he comes back. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. They were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. This is a trick. Paul is tricking us. He's claiming to be a Christian. He's going to come in here. He's going to arrest us all. We're all going to go to jail and be put to death. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles because they know Barnabas. He's been with them since Acts chapter 4, probably even since the beginning. Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord and spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord and he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. But they were still seeking to kill him and when the brothers learned this they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So a lot of things happened in Paul's life. How did Barnabas make peace between two people? uh, Actually two groups. Uh, It's a group and an individual. Paul and the... Well, he wants to join the disciples. Barnabas took, takes him to the apostles specifically, the leaders. What did Barnabas do to make peace? Well, there's a misunderstanding here. Barnabas is providing testimony. That's what he's doing to make peace. There's a uh, misunderstanding. Paul, who's converted, ah, oh, he's not converted, he's lying, he's a trick, tricking us. And and they don't have any evidence, they don't know what's going on. So Barnabas, who was there, who knew what was going on, no, Paul has converted. He's been, he's been preaching in, in Damascus. He's preaching in Arabia. You should listen to him. Barnabas is making peace by clarifying misunderstanding, by providing testimony, by providing evidence that, that what is being said is true. We could do that. People in your life that have conflict, how many conflicts in our lives come from misunderstanding, do you think? What percentage of our conflicts in life just come from a simple misunderstanding about something? Now, it's not all of them, because sometimes there's maliciousness and, and, and actual seeking to harm one another. But I would wager that a large percentage of the conflicts in your life come from some sort of misunderstanding. And if you have the correct understanding, you could be a peacemaker by correcting the misunderstanding that people have. That's going to happen a lot in families, probably, because you know more about families, your family members. But it could happen in our friend groups, and it could happen in our congregations, right? As we are with one another, we know things about one another. And maybe somebody's talking to you, and you're like, they're, they're talking about a third person, and, and uh, I just can't believe they did this thing, and can you believe what's going on in so-and-so's life? And maybe you have an opportunity to stand up and correct and say, no, that's not how it actually happened. You, you're misunderstanding what happened in this person's life, what they said or what they did make peace. But we know, nicely worked out with Barnabas, worked out really well, doesn't always go that way, right? Acts 7, 23 through 29, as Stephen is preaching a sermon about what's happened in ancient Israelite history, talking about Moses. When Moses was 40 years old, he, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. Of course, he grows up, right, in the household of Pharaoh, he grows up in the household of the ruler of Egypt. And he sort of separated from the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt. And, and at, at 40 years old, it came into his heart. You know, I should go see the Israelites. See what's going on. Seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And on the following day, he appeared to them as they were quarreling and tried to reconcile them to be a peacemaker. So he strikes an Egyptian, saves the Israelite. Then there's a later day. The Israelites are fighting amongst themselves. And he's like, oh, I, c- I could solve this. I could help this. I could reconcile this. Men, you're brothers. Why are you wronging each other? But the man who was wrong, wronging his neighbor thrust him aside, pushed him away. Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Don't you want to, Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? At this retort, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now, of course, we know this is all working according to God's plan, but Moses trying to be a reconciler didn't work out so well. That happens in our lives, doesn't it? We try to make peace between people. And by trying to insert ourselves into other people's conflict, there is this inherent pushback sometimes. This is not your business. Why are, you, why are you inserting yourself here? Go away. Push, I like this idea that he thrust him aside. He pushed him out of the way. Get out of here. That's going to happen maybe in the, your work environment. That's going to happen in our families maybe sometimes. It shouldn't happen in the church. Why? Because we do have a responsibility towards one another to be peacemakers. And if we're in conflict with one another, and somebody comes and tries to be a peacemaker, we should not have the attitude of this Jew who said, who made you a judge over me? You know who did that? God did that when he made us part of the same family. I have a responsibility towards you to make peace, and you have a responsibility towards me to make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. As we see with Moses, and to a lesser extent, Barnabas, who Paul still had to leave for a while because they were still trying to kill him. Peacemaking is among the hardest. I have, in quotes here, hardest, most challenging, most stressful good works because it relies so much on other people and their reactions, right? It relies on the hearts of other people. Which is why, of course, Paul says in Romans 12, 14 through 18, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. A lot of preamble here. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in sight of all, if possible, as far as it depends on you. This is really apt in Paul's life because he tried this and did not always work out. Live peaceably with all. Peacemaking is a good work that we can only control so much. I can only control what I'm doing. I can't control if you're going to respond well. I can't control if these people are going to stay prideful and in conflict. And I can't control if I, I, I just can't make you do the right thing. Which is why it says as far as depends on you. It's the one of the few good works that has that kind of qualifier. Because it is so dependent upon what other people do. And we see here, though, in the preamble, some qualities that make for a good peacemaker. What do we see? Well, one who blesses instead of curses. What does that mean? That you're thinking about how you can be a benefit in somebody else's life and thinking about how they could have benefit in their lives versus wanting bad things for them. If you want good things for people, that's going to help you be a peacemaker, as opposed to just wanting vengeance and justice all the time. If you want people to have bad things in their life, you are not going to be a good peacemaker. Good peacemakers want what is best for the other person. What else do we see? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. What is that? Empathy. If you want to be a good peacemaker, want to make peace between yourself and others, make p- peace between others who are in conflict, you need empathy. You need to un- put your be able to put yourself into their perspective on the conflict. Why does this person feel the way they do? What does this person need out of this situation? What are they seeking in this situation? Be empathetic towards one another. What else do we see if you want to be a good peacemaker? Do not be haughty. What's that word, haughty? Arrogant, proud, self-absorbed. Don't think you're so great. And he contrasts it, right? But associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. If you want to be a good peacemaker, be humble. Be willing to associate with anybody. Not just those who will benefit you, but those who you can bless if you're thinking about blessing and not cursing, right? And, and you know people in your life that you like to be around because they are this inclusive, they have this inclusive nature. They want to include everybody. They want everybody to have what they need and what, they, th- what, what can make their lives better. You know people like this in your life, and you like, I'm pretty sure, like being around such people. Because why? They reduce conflict. They make peace. Because they are empathetic and they bless others and they're humble, and they're inclusive. If you want to be a good peacemaker, these are some of the attitudes you should have. Ephesians 4, 25-32. As we will read the rest of this now, we see some more attitudes and attributes of those who want to make peace. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. This is a just like the bare minimum. If you want to be a good peacemaker? Be honest. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Do not give any opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. That's that, again, idea of blessing and not cursing, right? How can I be a benefit to other people? Let no corrupting talk. Talk that would lead people away from the truth. Talk that would lead to anger. Talk that would lead to resentment. Talk that would lead to bitterness. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. A peacemaker builds others up and does not tear down. As fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. A peacemaker reads the room. Think about the situation that you're involved with, the personalities of those in conflict, if it's yourself, the person that you're dealing with, the circumstance that has arisen that has caused this conflict. Thinking about how your words can fit the occasion. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to peacemaking. There's no magical set of words. Wouldn't that be nice if there was? I just had this one phrase, I could say it all the time, and then people would just be happy with one another. We know that doesn't exist. I need to have the ability to read the situation. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice, if you want to be a good peacemaker, you need to have good attitudes in your heart towards other people. Isn't that what this is talking about? The things that we hold on to, the resentment and the bitterness and the anger and the clamor and the slander, this malice, this seething, roiling mass of negative feelings towards one another. You know people like that. How good are they at making peace? They just walk through their lives. A bundle of conflict, don't they? People who hold on to these things. Nobody likes to be around them. They don't like to be around others. They just are always negative. They don't make peace. If you want to make peace with others, put these things away. Let go of them. Is that easy? No. I'm not going to say it's easy. It requires prayer and thoughtfulness. I like this idea of not grieving the Holy Spirit of God, that I'm devoting myself to the Spirit's will. What's that going to lead to? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. If you want to be a good peacemaker, you have to forgive. Because a good peacemaker, once conflict is resolved, lets it go. You don't keep bringing it up. You don't keep pulling it from the past. Maybe you have this in your your situation in your marriage where one of you did something wrong that one time two years ago and the other spouse just keeps bringing that up. Is that making peace? No. That's not making peace. When a conflict is done, let it be done and forgive as God forgave us. I will remember those sins no more. Isn't that what it says in the Hebrew letter? Ultimately, why is it so important then for us to devote ourselves to this good work? Why should we want to be peacemakers? James 3:13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show himself. Uh, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. If you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, these things that we just read about in the Ephesian letter, right? Do not be fal- uh, in your heart. Do not be false. Uh, uh, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual and demonic. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, what's going to be the result if we're not seeking to make peace? Disorder and every vile practice. When we let conflict fester, it leads to sin. But the wisdom that is from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. This is another good list of things to be if you want to be a peacemaker. Be open to reason. Be gentle. Be full of mercy. And what's going to be the result? A harvest of righteousness. Why should we want to be peacemakers? Because when we make peace in our own lives, it's easier for us to be righteous. When we make peace in the lives of others, it makes it easier for them to be righteous. When we make peace in our congregations... It makes it easier for us to be righteous. Because conflict leads to what? Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. That's what conflict leads to. These negative feelings that lead us into sin. So when we make peace, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Remember, what will peacemakers be called? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God, children of God. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. The son of God was a peacemaker. We'll end with Ephesians 2, 12 through 18. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. And remember that Paul is saying this as one who is intimately aware of this because that's how he was. You were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. We were all that way at one point. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What we just remembered here. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. Hostility between Jew and Gentile, hostility between us and God by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, the Old Testament, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. I have peace with you. Why? Because I know that you are just as lost as I was. I need just as much forgiveness as you do. The great level playing field of God's kingdom. None of us should be haughty and arrogant because all of us are equally in need of Christ's peace. That he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far off, the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, the Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. As we conclude today, the invitation is to be a peacemaker. Because Christ is a peacemaker. And he specifically wants to make peace between us together. That's what we're celebrating here, right? The the offering that uh, he had at the the Last Supper. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we do this together, we're remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. How that makes us united in one. Ultimately because it unites us with the Father. He made peace between us and God. So be a peacemaker between others. So that that harvest of righteousness can be had in this group of people.